Welcome to the Guitar Teaching Business Podcast. Today is a teacher question, and it's how do you make time for yourself during these extraordinary times? My name is David Hart, and I'll be your host. The podcast is for guitar teachers. I discuss a range of topics related to teaching and business, and I draw on my 30 plus years of experience in this business. The podcast is presented by G4 Guitar Schools. If you teach guitar and you're interested in learning more about who we are, just go to g4guitaronline.com. If you have any questions, feel free to post. Okay, so the question is, how do you make time for exercising, preparing decent food, getting enough sleep, etc.? The teacher is specifically talking about managing his time during this crisis, the COVID-19 crisis that we're currently in. And and it wants to know how can he make better use of the time. And so re- really my answer to this is that the crisis or no crisis, we, that it's, it's all the same. So the advice I'm about to give you is it, it doesn't matter whether we're in, in a crisis or not. It's the same, same idea. All right. So it's easy to become overwhelmed and it can feel really like you need to do 100 things at once. Uh, but you, you have to step back and you have to get some perspective. Um, how much of what we believe is urgent is truly urgent. See, the thing is that when we come into this crisis, all it's really doing is exposing a lot of the things that we didn't have under control in the first place. When we, we, we suddenly have these things that happen, it just shows us all the things that we needed to do before that we haven't done. And in other words, in organizing and systemizing and, and making sure our business can run with without us having to be there to, to sort of crank it up all the time and to keep it keep it going. A lot of people run their businesses on the on the edge of your life. In, in other words, they're working flat out and the business is surviving because of them and just because they're there. But if they step away for any any period of time, a day or two days or a week, then the business starts to fall apart. And so this is really just a test. So really what we need to do is is zoom in, have a closer look at what's going on. Now I usually recommend a well-known strategy, which is what they call the quadrants. And it's where you separate the four tasks, and this is the first part of this, by the way. You separate the, 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 your, your tasks into four groups. So what we do is we, we draw a square, so you can draw a big square, and then you divide that into four boxes. So you end up with four equal squares. So once you've done that, write in the top left, important, urgent tasks. And then in the top right, important, non-urgent tasks. And then the bottom line, which is the unimportant, we write unimportant, urgent tasks, and then unimportant, non-urgent tasks. So you should start with the important tasks, The sorry, the important, urgent tasks, of course, but it's the important, non-urgent tasks that become the biggest problem. We end up finding ourselves spending a, a, a a lot of time in unimportant urgent tasks instead of working on important non-urgent tasks. So again, the the unimportant tasks are the ones that are the problem. We we need to to find a way to get rid of those unimportant tasks and be focusing on important urgent tasks and important non-urgent tasks. That's where we should be spending 80 to 90% of our time. We can't eliminate unimportant tasks altogether. That, that it just that's not a realistic way to view the world. That's never going to happen. But you need to be working towards that. Most people spend way, way too much time in the unimportant category. 
All right. So we often make the mistake of attending to these unimportant urgent tasks. This might be checking our social media accounts or answering random phone calls, uh, catching up with old friends and talking about talking for too long. Look, it's no problem catching up with old friends. I love it. Um, but we often find that we've two, three hours have passed when we could have had a, had a half an hour or one hour chat and really caught up and had a good time rather than being excessive about it. Because a lot of the time what we're doing is we're avoiding going back to the to the work that we should be doing. We're using it almost like a, a kind of distraction, a diversion. So we are, and here's the thing, we're hardwired to respond to, to urgent matters, important or not. This is an evolutionary trait that ensures that we respond to threats quickly to avoid, of course, being injured or killed as we would have, would have happened a lot more in the past. Our brains today have a hard wire, sorry, they have a hard time distinguishing quickly the difference between real threats and perceived ones. It's really hard to ignore those, say, those notifications that pop up on our computer or, you know, ignore that phone that's ringing in the background. We tend to register them as urgent and then they can't be ignored from that point. When I log into an online account, one of the things that annoys me is uh, a lot of these accounts have these little red notifications sitting up in the right and I can't ignore them. I've, I've got to look at that. Like if I go to the bank or something like that, I've got to see what it's what it's got to say. And so these, and, and I don't like them because they're interfering with, with my attention. They're playing with me. They, they're grabbing my attention. I would prefer that they came through another avenue, like an email where I can filter those knowing that that particular source are not providing me necessarily with urgent emails. I want to be able to control what comes in and comes out basically um, into my focus. So, and, and again, we can't do that. We can't be 100% on that, but we, we're trying to do our best. So the trick really is to remove the unimportant items from view. Whenever you are interrupted by an unimportant notification, instead of taking the easy option of clicking on it to see what it says, ask yourself, ask yourself how can you eliminate these kinds, kinds of unimportant notifications in the future? On your computer or online, there is usually a setting somewhere to turn it off. It may take you 20 minutes or more to work it out, uh, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to save you a lot of time. Also, you need to be very wary of inviting in new distractions. Whenever you do something, think about the consequences of it. Is that going to now be a new app or something that I've loaded into my computer that's going to now be buzzing me and annoying me and, and taking my attention away? This is not just online, by the way. Um, you need to think about things in your life that cause these unimportant urgent urgencies. You know, people knocking on your door, people, um, you know, friends, family, whoever, who, who are kind of coming into your space when you're trying to focus. Set your life up so you're not being interrupted, especially during times when you need to focus. It's about controlling your environment. 30 minutes of focused attention is worth an hour or more of time if if it's you know if there's a few interruptions so you imagine that you've got 30 minutes uninterrupted like i'm doing this ipod okay this this uh, sorry this podcast so i'm sitting here doing this podcast which is going to take me uh of recording time 30 to 40 minutes okay so that that's it but i'm totally uninterrupted when i do this my family are out there they know that i'm here they know what i'm doing and they know not to come in during this time it's very clear 
when I when I recording a podcast, they know not to interrupt. So I can get this done. But imagine if I was interrupted. Imagine if they came and knocked on the door now, and I had to to stop this recording and answer whatever question or whatever interruption it is. And then that takes five minutes. And then I've got to sort of find my way back and think, okay, well, where was I up to? I got to roll back a little bit on the tape just to make sure I know that I've got the right right part of what I've discussed and I may even need to go right back to the beginning uh, 10 minutes in I've got to go back to the start and sort of think well where was I at what was I talking about what was my train of thought so these things take time and then you find that you waste a lot of time trying to get back on track so when we switch between tasks it, it takes time it really does so you want to be wary of the switching and if you can do 30 minutes of focused attention and instead of an hour of, of interruption with interruptions you're going to be way better off and so whatever it is the family or, or the friends or whoever want your attention then block your time and say i'm not available in this time and focus on the task and then make that other time the other half an hour that you would have used to do there give it to them total totally unfocused uh, uh focus sorry so that you're not uh interrupting them either that you're not kind of half on one thing and, and bouncing in between because for them they're not getting your full attention either so nobody wins in that scenario you don't win your work doesn't win and your family don't win and your friends All right so the next thing is to learn to say no Res- you've got to resist the temptation to take on new projects just because they sound exciting right now it's true okay that we're living in these extraordinary times um, and you, you do need to adapt to the changes that are going on but the best businesses tend to be those that don't need to make big changes during a crisis and i'll say that again the best businesses make very few if any changes during a crisis they continue on as usual because this is largely well this is largely because they've designed their businesses to withstand a crisis when a crisis you know when the crisis uh circumstances the circumstances of the crisis can change uh things around you um and and change the the whole world actually but it's really a stress test on your business if cracks appear uh you might see them as a bad thing but they're not really a bad thing it's simply showing you what you need to fix for many successful long-term businesses it's you know it's the tough times that define them it's the tough times that make them who they are and and actually can make solidify their business for years or decades to come businesses that survived through say the great depression for example often went on to be some of the most durable brands around uh there there are, there are quite a number of examples all right so let's look at some businesses that have been around for for at least a few decades right so we know a business that can last more than 10 years is generally a business that's sustainable it's a it's a big deal to get past the five-year mark but if you get past the 10-year mark you're on to something and i don't mean 10 years struggling or of making no profit and then after 10 you look you can have 10 years of struggle and then you get there that's fine but if you're still after 10 years or 12 years you're still not making a profit then something is still definitely wrong you've got to look closer at it but i'm talking about businesses that are you know around 10 years 20 years 30 years and they're still doing well they make consistent profits and they're healthy and they don't even have to grow this is something that's sometimes a, a misunderstanding is a business doesn't need to grow to be a great business you don't if you think about let's use it in terms of uh, say your guitar teaching business 
if you've got 50 students or you've got 100 students, whatever that number is, if you let's just take it as 100 students. You've got 100 students and you're teaching them all in groups. You don't need 120 students if you don't need that extra income for any reason. You can be you can what you want to do is say, okay, well, this is the income that I'm happy with. This is the, this is I don't need any more than this. Uh, this will suffice for what for, for what I want. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to work on system, improving the systems, improving what I do, and make it better and better, refine it so it becomes a better and better. Think of it like a car where you know the car doesn't need to, to even go any faster. It doesn't even need to, um, you know, you don't need a bigger car or, or, or even more cars. You just need to look after this one car and make sure that it's finely tuned, that it's efficient, that, that you know that it's clean, that it's well maintained, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you're really taking care of that car and making sure that it lasts. The wheels are balanced, and the you know the the, the engines tuned, and and so forth. All these little things that keep the business, uh, keep your business or keep the car running nicely for for years and years and years. And that's why you can see some people with these, especially these uh, collector type cars, where they're like. 50, 60, 70 years old, some of these cars. And, and they, they look like they just came, came straight out of the showroom. Um, they're amazing. They're immaculate. Um, and that's because they've been looked after and your business can be the same. So if we look at businesses, like I'll give you some examples. McDonald's, Coke, Apple, Microsoft, Toyota. Now, whether you love or hate these businesses, that's, that's your choice. I don't necessarily agree with all these businesses, but, but these are businesses that have been around regardless of the products they sell and maybe some of the the, even the ethics, if you just put all that aside for a minute, the, the, the core business models that they're using are working. All right? So they've been around for a long time. So we have to sort of look at some of, the, some of the, the reasons from a business perspective why they are still uh, here today. These businesses have survived some very hard times, and the main reason is quite simple. The businesses are robust. They were built to last and withstand recessions. And that's really important. These companies generally have a solid core product. You could argue that you know Apple have developed new products like iPods, iPhones, iPads, but let's be let's let's look at it closely. Their core product is still the Mac computer, uh, which has not really changed. The packaging, maybe you know, when I say packaging, I'm talking about an i an, an iPad, uh, an iPhone. They're still computers. They're still Mac computers essentially. Um, they just put in a different box um, so what these companies have done is focus on improving the core product so they've taken the computer and put it really in your hand made it easier to use the computer that's that's basically what they've done um, McDonald's if you look at McDonald's they still do burgers okay and and but they've made it easier to access by putting in drive-throughs as an example right so the, these this is that's just where you know the mac put their computer into a handheld device mcdonald's created a drive-through to so make it easy for you to access their core product which again is is their burgers coke still sell drinks and coke have again made it they're still selling the same core product but now you can get their drinks at supermarkets at convenience stores um, just about anywhere they really make it easy to access their product um, Microsoft Windows again. They've they they've had that same core product Windows for, for for decades, and they've just made it easier and more accessible for people to get a hold of. Now Toyota uh, have 
been making reliable cars for, for many, many years, decades and decades. And again, they make it easy by making the cars better, more reliable, more efficient, and yet keeping it at an affordable price for the average person just has meant that that they've their products been that in each case they these companies have not strayed from their core product when you focus on improving your core product you're more likely to weather the crisis provided your core product stays relevant so you might think okay what's this got to do with time management so here's my point my point is not to be wasting your time on shiny objects or irrelevant tasks your, your time is valuable and it needs to be focused on improvement of your core product keep that in mind what is your core product and are, is that where you're spending the majority of your time as an exercise spend a week tracking how you spend your time look at how much time you spend on unimportant and often irrelevant tasks that have nothing to do with your core product okay think about that carefully track your week you need to take control of your environment and you need to ask yourself whether or not you're using your time on developing your core product. Now, I do think everybody's situation is different. And I just want to make this point here is we all theoretically have the same time or the same amount of time in a day, but we're not all dealing with the same situations at home. Some of us have children we need to take care of or health issues we're dealing with or other responsibilities that make it difficult to run a business, especially during a crisis. While I do understand this fact, I am also yet to find anyone who can't improve the way they manage their time. If you if you think you can't manage your time, I think you're probably wrong. Uh, like imp- when I say man, improve your time management, I think you're probably seriously seriously wrong. I think that you're probably wasting a ton of time. Right? We all waste time, and we all know it. I do. I waste time every day. How many times have I, you know, been on Facebook in a day that I think that was that was a complete waste of time? I could have been doing something else. I do it every day, and and I know that I do it, and and yet I continue to do it. We all do it, and we can all improve. Okay, there are literally an an infinite number of ways that you can improve your time management, and I believe the first step is to be honest with yourself about the fact that you are wasting time. That it's not about have not having enough time. It's about you are wasting the time that you have. Avoid telling yourself you have no time and instead ask yourself, how can I be more efficient with my time? What can I do better? All right. So the advice that I'm about to offer may not be a panacea, but hopefully it will help you in in some small, small way. No matter what your situation, it can be improved through systemization. What you want to do is look for ways to make tasks simpler and easier so they can be done in less time. You do this by looking for inefficiencies and waste in your life. Look, look around you. Think about very simple things that you do each day and, and, and how much time is wasted. And I'm not just talking about your business, of course. I'm talking about you know everything in, in your life. Building systems doesn't take time, but the investment is worth it in the long run. Let me use an example in my own personal life. Okay? Nothing to do with my business, but it helps my business. Right, because it gives me more time to then focus on my business. All right, so I've got two cupboards at home for my clothes. One cupboard has the clothes that I wear throughout the week. On normal occasions, it's the the easy accessible cupboard, the one that that I can get to the quickest. The other cupboard, which is to the side, which is least accessible, is or less accessible, 
Um, the other cupboard has all the clothes that I only wear on certain occasions or clothes that are maybe not in season. This saves me a lot of time because I'm not looking through 25 different shirts and then 25 different pants to find the, find the ones I want to wear. I basically have uh, six shirts, two black, two white, two gray, and then I have a, uh, three pairs of pants and I choose which one each day. That's it. Okay, so I only have those items to choose from, and it's very easy. It's very easy. Uh, so, so if I start with you know dark pants, I know a light shirt. If I start with light pants, then I can dark shirt. Okay, but actually, I don't. I only have. I don't. In, when it comes to pants, they're all dark. All right, so it it's all fine. It all works. Um, whereas in shorts, it's a little bit different. But I don't want to get into the details here. But I just want you to get the idea that I'm simplifying my cupboard. I know that uh, you know there have been. Steve Jobs is probably the most famous example. He wore the same thing all the time. It was a black turtleneck, uh, long sleeve with jeans. That was it. Same, and he had twenty of twenty of them in the cupboard. So he always had the same clothes. He never had to think about what he wore, and he did that on purpose so he wasn't wasting time deciding what to wear. Uh, President uh, Obama used same. He had two suits. He would just, same two suits. He had, I don't know how many of each suit, but he had the same two suits and he would just swap the suits depending on the occasion. Now, I have the cupboard arranged so everything is also easy to find and I'm dressed and ready to go within two minutes. This was actually, used to be a 20 minute process. I also have to change into my workout gear uh, during the day when I go for a a run or, or gym or whatever. So, so I, I've simplified that as well. In fact, what I do is I assemble what I need for the, the gym into a box in, in order that I need to put it on. And so when I take it out of the box, it's the first thing that needs to go on in order. So I do that. I prepare that at, uh, you know, after the washing is done, then I prepare that box so it's there for the next day. And, and so what that does is it eliminates procrastination as well because I know that there's nothing that it's only going to take me, you know, literally 60 seconds to get dressed for the gym. That's all it takes. All right. So um, I, I basically estimated that that it used to take about 40 minutes of preparation per day. So that's changing, you know, in the morning, gym gear, and then later in the day. So so 40 minutes of preparation per day is now takes about five minutes, believe it or not. Saving 35 minutes a day over a year adds up to about 210 hours that's almost a month of working hour days, assuming you work eight hours a day. Now, we know most people even who work eight hours a day don't actually work eight hours a day. They're lucky if they work half that. They might, might be at work or they might start, might be a nine to five job, but they're not actually working in, for those eight hours a day. So you can get an enormous amount done in 210 hours. And especially if those 210 hours are also efficient. So imagine what you could get done with an extra 210 hours of guitar practice a year. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a lot of extra practice. That's on average, uh, you know, it's more than half an hour of extra practice a day every day throughout the year. So that's that's a serious amount of time that you can get some, some things done. I'm sure you could learn some extra skills, some extra... Um, uh, songs, etc. In that time, let's think about it in business terms. Where we talk about the flyers, we know that that it takes about four hours of flyer delivery to get one student. So, 
and one student is worth on average, let's say $2,000. So if you take that there, we're talking 50 students that you could get in that 210 hours just from improving the way that you dress and using that time to go and do flyers instead of getting dressed each day. That is a significant uh, thing. That's 50 extra students a year, which amounts to 2,000 times 50, uh, which brings us to about $100,000. Okay, so... So that's literally $100,000 worth of value right there. Okay, so you simply have to approach, well, you have to take the approach to eliminate, delegate, systemize everything in your life. This is just one, uh, a one this, sorry, this is not a one-time thing. It's a philosophy that you need to adopt. Like anything, you need to start with one thing. Start small. Look for one thing you can do right now that will make your life more efficient. What I do is keep a list, adding things I want to improve or systemize or eliminate, etc., so that I can go back to my list and start working on those particular tasks or the most important tasks. When I've got a list, then I can sort it. I can look at it and go, well, which things are going to make the biggest difference? I look, I look for the hacks that require the least amount of effort but yield the biggest gains. All right, so here's another recent example which may help, um, and it's now saving me about 10 hours a month. I use a program called QuickBooks. QuickBooks is, is an accounting software application. And for the most part, it's great. It makes my life easier in, in and of itself without me doing anything. It saves me time. All right? It helps me to do my taxes, etc. So one problem, though, is, is that it has no way of dealing with PayPal payments that are a combination of currencies. It does deal with PayPal payments. If you're in one currency, no problem. But if you're dealing with multiple currencies like I do, then it's a problem. This means I have to manually enter every transaction, which is, which is time consuming. At, at first, I worked out that I could automate subscriptions, which makes up about you know, 80, 80 to 90% of my transactions anyway. So that helped a lot. But I still needed to go in and adjust things like exchange rates for international currencies for many of those transactions, which which was time consuming. Okay. So automating these transactions did cut my work in, in into about half. So I, I went from, um, you know, what was literally, I don't know, 10 hours a week to about five hours, but I wanted to do better. I then, I then set up a process in FileMaker, which is a powerful software application that allows me to script tasks. Okay. So I can automate a lot of tasks through FileMaker. So what I can do now is upload PayPal, uh, the PayPal spreadsheet, which you download uh, from PayPal, and then I can upload it to FileMaker. And once I've got it uploaded, at the click of a button, what it does is it calculates the various totals for for what I put in there. And I can literally, I could put in a whole year's worth. So I can literally do a whole year's worth at the click of a button. Um, and what it does is a 10-hour process. Uh, basically, what was a 10-hour process has now been turned into a 20-minute job. Now, when I say 10-hour process, I'm talking about 10 hours a month. Uh, so if I did a whole year, because once it totals, it's all the same. I could be talking about a 120-hour process that can be done in 20 minutes. So I can literally leverage it, leverage it that much. I don't do it. I like to. I prefer to do it month by month so I can actually see, because when I put it in months, so I can see how each month is. But it really doesn't matter. I could just as easily do a division on it, or I could even use PayPal to give me some rough numbers on, on you know, what monthly income is. But I'm just, just for the exercise, uh, I'm doing it month by month for now. But I may go to doing it quarter by quarter very soon, which would effectively means that I can turn a 30-hour process 
into a 20-minute job. On top of that, the chances of error are now much lower, okay, because it's all automated. Every time I put in a transaction, there's a chance of an error. Every time there's a human involved, there is a chance of an error. So I should... I should point out, however, that FileMaker took me at least 100 hours to learn, but it but it's an extremely powerful piece of software, and it now saves me hundreds of hours a year. So you can see that, because it's not just for this that I'm using FileMaker, by the way, I use it for lots of different things, but the, these are time savers that are now allow me to get a lot more done in a lot less time. <clears throat> Okay, so let's talk emotions because I think it's important to understand our emotions. Emotions are, can be tricky and often uh, unre unreliable. I find it helps to step back from the situation and look at it from an outside perspective. Work is a relationship and like any relationship, it can really become unhealthy. Try to separate yourself into roles. One role is that of the manager, so you being the manager, while another is you being the employee or the teacher. So the manager's role is to support the employee so that the employee can do their best work. Overworking yourself as the employee or having unrealistic expectations or not supporting yourself as the employee are all signs of you being a poor and ineffective manager. You may say, yeah, but that's me. It's okay, I can deal with me. No, 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 that's, you, that's who, how you will be as a manager. If you treat yourself that way, you're going to treat other people that way as well once you start employing people. But you don't want to treat yourself that way because you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to burn yourself out. And that's what happens to a lot of people in business. They burn themselves out. They literally are the crazy manager that pushes their employee too far. Right. So you so you might need to create some rules by you know just just setting down some hours and and knowing when and when you are and going to work and when you're going to have time off when you're going to spend time with your family or whatever make sure that you you create some boundaries there. Um, once you know your working hours, then you can work on how to spend those working hours. You can then become more efficient if you know that your working hours are say. 40 hours a week, that's it, max, or even half that, 20 hours a week. If you say, oh, I'm only going to work 20 hours a week, what are you going to do with those 20 hours? How are you going to work those those hours? Exactly how are you going to do it and how are you going to get the things done that you need to get done in that time? So let me use another example. My daughter was, at the moment, because we're in this, uh, the kids aren't going to school, we're in the, the COVID-19 crisis, so we've got a situation where all the learning is being done online. My daughter was taking an extra 40 minutes each day to complete her schoolwork online. So a teacher's not seeing what's going on. The teacher only knows that the, the teacher zooms in every now and again and they have a little chat or the teacher will do a video. Um, they'll have a little conversations. But really between the hours of 9.15 when she starts and 3.15 at the end of the day uh, are the main times that the teacher, between that, will be, the teacher will sort of message and, and ask the students to respond so the teacher knows they're there. But after that, the teacher signs off and so if the student keeps working past 3.15, the teacher doesn't know, right? So so what was happening is, is my daughter's meant to finish at 3.15, but she was working at, at till 4, 4 o'clock and even sometimes later. She, she was insisting that her teacher said that the work had to be finished. I told her that she had to stop at 3.15 whether her work was finished or not because what she was doing was sending the teacher the wrong message. Her teacher will only realize there is a problem if she is not completing the work by 3.15 p.m. He can then investigate why. Is he giving her too much work or is she not focusing on getting the work done? 
But here's the thing. Miraculously, when I told my daughter that the computer goes off at 3.15 p.m., she was able to get the work done in time. Wow. Um, The moral here, of course, is don't overwork your employees. Set them time limits and certain tasks to get done, and they will likely get them done in the time that they're allocated. If they're not getting the work done, then you can investigate why. Are you giving them too much work or are, are they, you know, not focused uh, are they getting interrupted there are lots of reasons why because the, here's the thing most people want to get the work done most people when they're in a job they like that sense of achievement they like to to, to know that they've ticked those boxes but they just know need to know what it is that they need to get done what specifically do you want them to get done in that time all right so let me come back to to, to wrap this up let me come back to the original question and then then and summarize it in Uh, And that is, how do you make time for yourself? The answer, of course, here is to eliminate unimportant, um, urgent tasks first, but eliminate all unimportant tasks, preferably, uh, as much as possible. Systemize tasks. So make sure that you look at every task you do and break it down and see how you can make it easier and get done in less time. And and schedule your time. So schedule your days so you stay on task, but also do it to see if you're overbooking yourself. Often when we write out a schedule, we, we, we can realize that we are simply trying to do too many things. So you don't want to be doing too many things as well. So hopefully that helps. Uh, and this is how I do it in my life. And I you know, have made a lot of progress and I continue to make progress. I always feel like I'm just halfway on this journey. There's still a lot more to do, but that's really the crux of, of it. That's that's how you improve your time is you need to just keep hacking away at it and you need to to prioritize, etc. All right. So thank you once again for your time. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like me to cover, just send me a message as always. If you're interested in learning more about G4, then go to our website, g4guitaronline.com. Thank you very much.